Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 11.05 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the 24th of October, 2022. This is episode 634 of Bitcoin. And what a horrible start. Man, I mean, I don't know what happened. But I had was almost through the entire first story. I had already read Boostergrams. I had already said a whole bunch of other stuff. And I looked over. And for some reason, my Fruity Loop studio just had stopped recording. I didn't hit a button. It was still in record mode. I the cursor was still tracking in real time. So, but no audio was going to disc except for like the first 10 seconds. I think I've got it figured out. I don't know. I'm going to try this one more time. And if it doesn't happen for me, then it's just the podcasting gods telling me to, I don't know, to not do a podcast today. Okay. So I'm going to start with hmm Boostagrams from you guys, because I love reading y'all's Boostagrams. <clears throat> Letter 6173 with the Striper Boost. It says, fuck the eternal fraud known as Craig Wright. <laughs> You're right, sir. Fatoshi with 5,000 Satoshi says, sir, are you Ram? Well, gee, I don't know. The only person I know <clears throat> who was a whip by the name of Ram we actually pronounced it Ram. Pretty sure it was short for Ramaswamy. And he was one of the biggest assholes I ever had the displeasure of having to cut a paycheck to. The guy, I won't even get into that story. One of these days, maybe. If you guys give me enough boost and conjole me to start telling stories about my crazy ass stepdad and uh, his, <laughs> some of the things that went on in the junkyard in Midland, Texas. Yeah, you know, if you want to hear about my misadventures with Ramaswamy, the PhD molecular biologist that we hired for Certigen. Yeah, you, you hit me up and I'll tell you some crazy ass fucking stories, man. Uh, Fatoshi with another 5,000 Satoshi Boost says, man, the Bitcoin Association BSV, miners being bound by a contract, laughed my fucking ass off. Now you know why exchanges delisted that horse shit. I hope those that didn't are telling his lawyers to fuck off. What a joke. Exactly. I'll get to that in a second, but I want to make sure that Marquitosis DD sent me a hundred Satoshis. Thank you, but you should have written something, man. I would have read it on air. Now back to this fake Toshi, Craig Wright, BSV and empty blocks being mined. It appears that what has occurred is that right after Craig Wright got his ass handed to him in Norwegian court system, welcome to law, Craig, he immediately went after his very own miners. That's right. He's, he appeared to threaten that they were going to be sued because they were under contract to mine the BSV chain. That's a load of horseshit. Why? Why is it a load of horseshit? 
Well, because the BSV chain, like its dumbass, retarded, drooling, autistic brother BCH, or the Bitcoin Cash chain, when they split off from actual real Bitcoin, they took with them the hashing algorithm, which is the SHA-256 hashing algorithm that miners use to find the hashes of blocks and thus mining new blocks. And that's how then they get to put transactions in and all that stuff, right? But with Bitcoin, anybody can attach to the Bitcoin network and start mining Bitcoin. Likewise, if you have a BCH node or a Bitcoin Cash node and you have it up and running and you can read the chain, then you need a miner to be able to mine that chain. But again, it's the SHA-256 algorithm. I mean, it's, you can just use a standard S19 or even an S9 to mine that because it uses the SHA-256 hashing algorithm. You didn't have to ask permission to do it. You just, if, can you get the node up and running? If your miner can read that node and your node can read the Bitcoin Cash network, then you can mine Bitcoin Cash. Well, then we get to BSV. Well, it still has the SHA-256 hashing algorithm. If you have a BSV node that is up and running and is attached to the BSV network and you got a miner that can mine SHA-256, you can mine BSV. There's no portal entry that you've got to sign up to mine BSV with. The only thing that, I just, unless something's changed, all you need is a BSV node that has the entire block history on it and a miner, and you can mine BSV. You don't have to sign a contract. You don't go to a website and say, hey, Craig, I'm gonna mine your bullshit chain. No, 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 no. So him saying that all these miners are, are under contract and are therefore in breach of contract and in breach of their fiduciary commitments to the BSV chain by mining blocks that don't have any transactions in it, he's gonna sue them. He, you know, he doesn't even like his own people, people, much less you or me, God forbid, hodl or not, who again, congratulations, Space Cat, for handing the fraud, fake Toshi, his ass in Norwegian court and again, Welcome to law. Now, let's do this again. Here's the first story of the day. Cointelegraph, Joseph Hall, the Madeira Bitcoin adoption experiment takes flight. Let's get into it. This spring, the Madeiran archipelago adopted Bitcoin. Madeira's president, Miguel Albuquerque, was invited onto the stage at Bitcoin Miami 2022 by Jan3 CEO Samson Moe to announce the promise. The president announced, I believe in the future and I believe in Bitcoin. In quote, days prior, Albuquerque was breaking bread with Michael Saylor, executive chairman of MicroStrategy at his luxury villa. Albuquerque was orange-pilled by one of the world's wealthiest Bitcoin hodlers. Nonetheless, as Cointelegraph later reported, the island of Madeira was not adopting, but in fact embracing Bitcoin. The European Union governs the Portuguese island. Therefore, they can't legally adopt Bitcoin as a legal tender. Plus, regulatory hurdles and reliance on EU subsidies and energy, <laughs> like they have any left, pose a challenge to outright Bitcoin adoption. Honestly, this just sounds like uh, they're being held hostage. That's exactly what this shit sounds like. That's what fiat does. It holds everybody hostage. So Cointelegraph caught up with Andrew Loja, the Madeiran entrepreneur and driving force behind the island's Bitcoin strategy, following his appearance on stage at Bitcoin Amsterdam 2022. 
Over the past six months, Loja has founded the Regional Forum of Economic Education, or Free Madeira, alongside Bitcoin big hitters, including Bitcoin author Knutz Fonholm and podcaster Daniel Prince. The board's advisors boast entrepreneur and author Jeff Booth, Fediment CEO Obi Nwosu, as well as Samson Moe. The group serves to ensure the president upholds his serious commitment, Jeff Booth explained, to making Madeira a home for the new base layer of the new internet. The island now boasts a series of Bitcoin-first investments, developments, and even Bitcoiner residents, as well as a steady trickle of crypto-curious people who have embarked on their first trip to the island. Loja told Cointelegraph that while Bitcoin is at the core of economic development and investment, Madeira is not only investing in Bitcoin, but all kinds of technologies. For example, a center for ocean-oriented startups and it and an advanced medical center are under construction. These economic activities fit under the president's purview of adopting new technologies and working toward Madeira, shedding its reputation as uniquely a haven for older generations. Nonetheless, these developments in wider technology dwindle in comparison to the progress made in embracing the world's largest cryptocurrency. Following a series of talks with Bitcoin OGs, including privacy advocate Matt O'Dell and Unchained Capital's Parker Lewis, Madeira has the green light to set up a Bitcoin commons. It's basically a big Bitcoin-only co-working space. It'll also be a place to park the association, Loja explained. The Bitcoin Commons is a space for the nonprofit Free Madeira to Thrive. Quote, we'll have a podcast room there. We'll do the Bitcoin meetups. We'll do the education part there. We'll also have the remittances set up there with the ATM and so on to connect to the diaspora. End quote. The Madeiran diaspora sprawls across the globe. Lucinda Castro, a Madeiran lawyer on the governance board of Free, told Cointelegraph in June that Madeirans immigrated to Venezuela, the United States, and Canada in their thousands, inclusive of second and third generation immigrants. There are now well over one million Madeirans living in Venezuela. The use case of Bitcoin as a remittance tool for Madeirans is therefore compelling. Sending money home from overseas played a part in El Salvador's move to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender, while another small island nation, Tonga, has also been vocal in supporting Bitcoin remittance payments. The Bitcoin Commons will also support human development with the founding of a coding academy. The academy encourages Bitcoin companies around the world to travel to Madeira to learn new skills while providing locals with a space to hone their digital skills on the island itself. The Bitcoin Academy, as it will become known, also shines a light on the Lightning Network, a Layer 2 payments network. As things stand, Bitcoin believers can purchase property, invest, and mingle with the budding Bitcoin community on the island, Loja explained. On stage at Bitcoin Amsterdam 2022, Jeff Booth announced his intent to invest in the island, adding, quote, an island such as Madeira can compete globally and can be the new Silicon Valley. I don't know, man. I don't think that island's big enough for that kind of shit, but we'll have to see. However, in order to facilitate payments in Bitcoin, investors should enlist the help of a third-party intermediary such as Archipelago Investments. Bitcoin merchant adoption is slowly spreading across the island, but much like the mainland, it's a challenge to live on a Bitcoin standard.
Across the Atlantic and Lisbon, there's a thriving Bitcoin community, but very few merchants accept Bitcoin as a means of exchange. The panel in Amsterdam was frank in response to questions regarding merchant adoption acceptance. The team at Free is set on guiding the president and the administration into the new Bitcoin era. Ultimately, the autonomous region must roll out Bitcoin adoption without burning bridges with the EU, on which Madeira remains heavily dependent. Merchant adoption will come, however, and that's what the Bitcoin plebs are here for, Svon Holm said. <clears throat> Just like mainland Portugal, Madeira's first language is Portuguese, and Portuguese business resources are growing. Nico Lamanan, a co-founder of the Consensus Network, and this is Consensus with a K, not the not those not the Ethereum shit, established business operations on the island as part of his mission to make Bitcoin knowledge accessible to everyone in every country and in every language. Naturally, one of the priorities is translating books into Portuguese. Quote, Madeira is great for remote workers, which overlaps with many Bitcoiners, myself included. The tax regime, friendly environment, and Bitcoin curiosity are just big bonuses. The Looking Glass Education, backed by free advisor Greg Foss, is another sound money educational resource to support Madeira. When pressed on whether Madeira is effectively becoming a European hub for Bitcoin development, Loja joked, that's the idea. Notwithstanding headwinds posed by Portugal jockeying to tax crypto gains, the Madeira initiative should put the island firmly on the map for Bitcoin adoption. Finally, Bitcoin filmmakers, pleb music, and Cinemuck shot Free's initial meetings with policymakers and politicians on the island and showed the trailer at Bitcoin Amsterdam 2022. The full documentary will screen by December 2022 and will likely equip the island with another Bitcoin-friendly marketing tool. Lahneman concluded, quote, I think Madeira will become a hotspot for Bitcoin entrepreneurs and users in Europe, and I want to be a part of it, end quote. And that's the end of the article. So Madeira on deck, if you don't know where Madeira is, it's actually quite a, quite away from uh, Portugal in the Atlantic Ocean, clearly to the west side of Portugal, but it's actually down south. So if you were to go like to hook, get a boat from Casablanca, Morocco and head straight west, you'd probably run into that island anyway. Let's get into another one. This one is, will a debt spiral lead to Bitcoin adoption? Mickey Koss for Bitcoin Magazine. I love listening to Greg Foss on podcasts, especially when I'm gearing up for a heavy deadlift or something like that. His no-nonsense talks about bonds really just gets my blood flowing and my mind focused. But when I send stuff like that to my less finance-minded buddies, they often have trouble understanding what he's talking about. Here's my attempt at some potentially oversimplified math to explain the debt spiral. United States federal debt. As of October 13th, 2022, the United States has $31 trillion worth of outstanding debt. $31 trillion of outstanding debt. This is updated daily by the Treasury. To make the math a little more simple, let's just call it $30 trillion. After all, what's another trillion, give or take? This implies a $621 billion annual interest payment on the debt this year. The Washington Post estimates $580 billion. Hey, let's split the difference and call it $600 billion. 
If you've been paying attention, the Federal Reserve is aggressively raising interest rates and the market is equally aggressive in bidding up yield on government debt. Every basis point that is added to the average rate on U.S. government debt will add about $3 billion in additional interest expense. That's if the debt stays at its current level. That unfortunately is not going to happen. Currently, the annual budget shortfall sits at $946 billion per year with no signs of it ever going to zero. Since this is the case, not only will the United States government have to issue more debt at a rate of nearly $1 trillion more per year, it will be doing so while interest rates are going up fast. The higher interest rates go, the more interest on the debt will be required to be paid. The more interest on the debt required to be paid, the larger the deficit gets. The larger the deficit gets, the more debt must be issued. More debt issued, more interest on debt. Even if the Fed dropped rates back to zero, the debt would continue to grow at a compounding rate because of the nature of the deficit. Mm-hmm. Even more concerning is the above graph depicting the debt as a percentage of gross domestic product. The upward slope of the line since the mid-1980s implies that the debt has been growing faster than the economy for decades. The nature of the perpetual budget deficit ensures that this situation is an inevitability. The Fed is just accelerating it at the moment. Debt begets more debt as long as the deficit exists. Hopefully you get it now. This is what Greg Foss means by a debt spiral. The debt never actually gets paid off. It just keeps getting rolled over, growing at a compounding rate. On this trajectory, it will start to accelerate. Based on the math alone, the Federal Reserve cannot continue to raise rates for much longer, nor keep them this high because the interest on the debt will become completely unmanageable. There is a lot to be said about a Fed pivot and when they will decide to taper their taper to lower interest rates back down. When will they actually do it? I'm not sure, but the Fed will have to eventually drop rates back down to try and slow the bleeding. And when it does, the rally that the Bitcoin price will have is going to melt your face off. Well, one can only hope. <laughs> While I'm not particularly interested in the price anymore, unlike some, and there's a link, unlike some is a uh, Bitcoin price action does matter. Oh, okay, so some another author at Bitcoin Magazine wrote another article that was talking all about how price does matter. Anyway, while I'm not particularly interested in the price anymore, I am concerned with everyday people being able to hop on the Bitcoin life raft before it shoots off into space. Absolute scarcity is an absolute imperative in a world bereft of monetary scarcity. Be a good friend, help people grasp this concept because most don't understand what's coming. Mickey Koss, again, writing for Bitcoin Magazine. That's the end of the article, but I got something to say about this. I was having a discussion with somebody the other day that you would think would know what a bond is. They don't. They, they, know what it, they, they know what to call it, but they don't know how the instrument actually works. And I was trying to describe in my limited capacity, my limited knowledge of what I've picked up from people like Greg Foss, explaining what a bond is, a 10-year, a 30-year, a five-year, a two-year, all that kind of shit. Um, it became clear that this person did not really understand the nature of the instrument and that person owns treasury bills and bonds and the, the very instrument. And I was like, my God, you don't, you don't understand what this thing is, yet you hold them. Oh crap, there's a bubble. There's a bubble. There, I'm, it, this goes right back to the big short. 
where he finally, he's talking to the stripper and she goes, wait, it could go up 200% on all my loans. And he says, well, we're just talking about two loans on one house, right? She goes, I have five condos. And he just like the, I mean, right there, it cut, it cut. And he's like walking through the airport on the phone going, there's a bubble there. There's definitely a bubble. I want 50 million Garibaldi, you know, triple B, you know, CD, uh, CDAs or whatever the insurance on the crap debt was. This is an instrument that nobody understands. Apparently very, or rather very few people truly understand the nature of it. Greg Foss is actually one of the guys that seems to understand it. He's one of the guys that understands it the best. He's, you know, one of many, but when you actually get right down to it, when you talk about how many people understand what a bond is, how it comes into existence, why it exists in the first place. And there's a lot about why it exists in the first place that I still don't understand. But people like Greg Foss do. And they've imparted enough information to me to where when I hear somebody not understand even the basics of a bond and what that means for debt issuance and debt repayment, and it's in a portfolio that they own because they were supposed to buy bonds, but they don't understand what it is. I, I, it's a bubble. It's like the stripper didn't understand what debt instrument she held. She didn't understand what the, what an arm was, apparently an adjustable rate mortgage. Don't ever get one of those, by the way, if you're going to get one, just pay the extra interest and get a stable rate. That way you can always refinance for a better rate. But if you get an arm and that shit starts going up, you're hosed. Anyway, I'm just saying it's so hard to understand some of this stuff. And it's probably like that for a reason, whatever. But here's how not to Bitcoin. A user pays 1,000 times the fee to send for BTC. Joseph Hall, Cointelegraph, reminding us, check your fees, bro, fat fingers. A Bitcoin user spent over $200 to make a transaction paying astronomically above the actual average fee. In a transaction that entered Bitcoin block 760,077, a user paid 1,136,000 Satoshis to move 3.8 BTC, which is worth about $63,000. This extraordinarily high fee is a whopping 1,000 times the usual Bitcoin transaction fee as at block height 760,077, the average transaction fee was roughly 20 cents. <clears throat> Twitter user Bitcoin Q&A first spotted the out of the ordinary transaction asking, why though? The Bitcoin educator told Cointelegraph that ultimately we'll never know why they paid a high fee, but there's a few possible answers. Q&A listed the following. One, using a wallet with terrible fee estimations. Two, a user making a typo when manually entering their fee rate, and three, an exchange processing an urgent payout. They often overpay, but not normally by this much, end quote. Finally, Q&A told Cointelegraph that it could be that the user hasn't done their homework and the error could be explained by a user not understanding how minor fees work, unlike, unlikely given the amount seen in the transactions in question. 
Transaction fees on the Bitcoin-based chain vary from pennies to hundreds of dollars, depending on congestion levels in the Bitcoin memory pool or mempool, as well as transaction sizes. Transaction fees are priced in Satoshis per unit of data, abbreviated SATs per VBYTE. The SATs per VBYTE rate is multiplied by the size of the transaction made to get the total fee that you'll pay. Generally speaking, the more money or data sent, the higher the transaction fee, although several other factors are at play. If a user is in a hurry, they can choose to pay a higher SATs per VBYTE fee to almost guarantee that miners will include their transaction in the next confirmed block. The cost of this luxury is a higher fee rate. The lowest fee is one SAT per VBYTE. Higher fees are generally considered as anything over seven Satoshis per VBYTE. For this fat-fingered Bitcoin in question, they paid a whopping 8,042 oh, 8, sats per VBYTE. Holy shit. That's more than 1,000 times the typical fee, as was said, was 22 cents at uh, block height 760,077. Upon further investigation, the same wallet, okay, uh, the same wallet was involved in yet another Bitcoin transaction 40 minutes before that one, and it also paid an exorbitant fee. The wallet transferred 4.28 BTC for half a million Satoshis, or about 109 bucks. Miners received a rate of 4,022 sats per VBYTE for the pleasure, adding the payment into block 760,073. Due to the Bitcoin blockchain pseudonymity, it is unclear why the user paid such a high transaction fee, nor is it clear why they repeated the same action four blocks later. As a final suggestion, Q&A joked that it could be a rich Bitcoiner doing it to flex, which is unlikely. I, I got a theory. <clears throat> I think it was somebody who somehow or another was compromised. Like, I don't know, just maybe woke up from a dream or had a premonition that somebody had stolen their seed phrase and that if they didn't get that shit off, and I mean right freaking now, that they were going to lose it forever. That, I could see somebody saying, fuck it, I'll, I'll pay any price to get the shit off. I could see that. The only thing that that doesn't answer is that why he did it twice and waited and, I, okay, let's say, you know, I don't know, it just... It doesn't explain why he did it twice, and it especially doesn't, you know, explain why there was a 40-minute, you know, time in between the transactions that were made, but it is what it is. Don't just fat finger your fees, right? I mean, if you, if you are sending Bitcoin for whatever reason you feel you need to send Bitcoin for right now, just make sure that you are, are cognizant that you need to check fees. And you can just type into DuckDuckGo or something, uh, Bitcoin fee estimator and, and use like three of them and take the average of the lowest fee. And if, you, if you're not in a hurry, you can wait six hours. Whoop-de-doo. Use the lowest fee and, and check, check mempool. You can check mempool by just going into like mempool.space. And you'll, if it's really congested, then you'll, I mean, the fees will be up. You've got to look at this stuff. All right. It's not, it's not just that, you know, we're sitting here at a time of Bitcoin where we need to still pay attention. You are the user interface. Okay. The, the user interface that everybody's waiting on is we're going to be waiting on that user interface for quite a while where it does everything. 
where it oracles itself out to, you know, five different price, you know, estimates of Bitcoin, 12 different mempool, you know, uh, estimators and 12 different, you know, fee estimators. And, and it's all behind the scenes and you don't have to look at none of it. Yeah, that shit, that's quite a ways away. I mean, it shouldn't be, but you've got to take responsibility for those, those fees. All right, so just be careful out there, folks. Let's see, what do we got next? Uh, Bitcoin allows you to discover the genius within. Bitcoin Magazine being written by Nozomi Hayes. We don't need no education. We don't need no thought control. Teacher, leave them kids alone. Pink Floyd's 1979 rock opera hit another brick in the wall, challenged authoritarianism and the rigidity of modern education. The dysfunction of the school system, captured by the song, continues even now. In the United States public schools, uh, they are regulated and controlled by the various state, local, and federal governments. The education system, funded through taxes and fiat money, declared by decree with no intrinsic value. Damn you, advertisement screwed me right up. Uh, is based on the idea of students as a blank slate. A view that we are all born with no innate skill, strength, or personality traits. This philosophy that denies the inborn uniqueness of each child has been incorporated into the curriculum for kindergarten through the 12th grade through initiatives like the Common Core State Standards. Prescribed academic standards are applied uniformly to every child with a federal requirement that all schools test all children annually. The Brazilian educator Paulo Freire criticized the way mainstream schools teach students to the test, calling it the banking concept of education where teachers deposit information into students minds this approach to education enforces conformity while suppressing independent thinking and creativity in students as the centrally managed education system turns young people into cogs in the wheel of the state apparatus an alternative form of learning environment is now emerging around bitcoin the hardest money ever created Bitcoin enabled the separation of money and the state for the first time in history. With its unique monetary design, Bitcoin also enables a departure from the banking model of education. Bitcoin is a new class of asset-based currency. It has intrinsic value with its fixed supply at 21 million Bitcoin. With Bitcoin, the creation of money involves a process of discovery. While the fiat monetary system creates money out of thin air, Satoshis come into existence through the function called mining. Using game theory that creates fairness and a fixed set of rules, computers around the world engage in a process which utilizes the SHA-256 hash function to generate new coin. By igniting the spirit of play and engaging people in this creation of money, the mysterious creator of Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto, opened up a new learning space where people can enter voluntarily. The wealth of the 21 million Bitcoin is like a treasure that is slowly released to humanity waiting to be claimed. A consensus algorithm known as proof of work is used to facilitate each person's participation in the network to discover this hidden wealth. Through engaging in sportsmanship in the treasure hunt, people begin to learn new skills, develop capacities to work as a team and solve problems collaboratively. Bitcoin fuels innovation and entrepreneurship. New jobs and opportunities that are created allow us to think freely, to develop original ideas and experiment with them. Here, instead of working to meet the criteria imposed by others, each individual can set their own standards for success and strive to live up to them with genuine feedback from the free market. 
This is now creating a new form of gift economy that encourages each of us to find our own unique gifts, talents, and abilities that we were all born with. It has revitalized the original vision of education rooted in the Latin word educare, which means to bring out what is within us, to nurture our inborn nature, releasing the genius within. Bitcoin is the sensei that does not exercise authority. Instead of directions from instructors, the protocol maintains the integrity of the learning environment. Bitcoin teaches us that what we love is what we are gifted at doing and what we are born to do. The network incentivizes each of us to find what we love to do. Bitcoin's new gift economy began to transform work from meaningless labor to vocation. As if being called by the creator of Bitcoin, people began to follow their heart and take the path that leads to their own personal greatness. Institutionalized education, by denying each person's uniqueness, has created a widespread poverty of imagination. It has led to the deterioration of our society, to the creation of a debt-based economy that extracts rather than produces, and to a reliance on the use of violence to solve conflicts rather than diplomacy and dialogue. The built-in scarcity of Bitcoin guarantees an increase in its value, thus creating a flow of abundance. Pierre Rochard, vice president of mining company research Riot Blockchain, talked about how this money cannot be inflated, can be used to increase purchasing power and engage people in charitable giving. Benefiting from the network effect of donated purchasing power, people can begin to invest in themselves directing their resources, time, and energy toward their original vision. As the fiat economy stagnates, with growing unemployment and cuts in wages, the Bitcoin space, tapping into our inherent potentials, is always recruiting new talent. With new economic activities being generated, the youth of today are now given a choice to refuse to become another brick in the wall that segregates humanity through the hierarchy of class, race, and nationality, thereby perpetuating war and economic exploitation. They can now begin to imagine and actively engage in building blocks of their own design for their own future. El Salvador, a small, uh, in El Zante, a small surf town with a population of 3,000, began to claim financial sovereignty, enlivening the dream for the poorest members of the Salvadoran society. Inspired by Bitcoin Beach, Bitcoin Akasi in South Africa engaged in efforts to use Bitcoin as a medium of exchange to empower an, an impoverished South African township. By leveraging Bitcoin, they are generating humanitarian support to build schools, clean water infrastructure, and sustainable farming systems. With the use of the Lightning Network, Bitcoin's Layer 2 scaling solution, one of them, by the way, just one of them, <clears throat> Bitcoin's new gift economy can now become circular. It allows each of us to receive Satoshi Nakamoto's gift to find what we as individuals are uniquely gift with, and to simultaneously return the gift by sharing our talents and skills with our communities. The more one is gifted, the greater contribution one can make. Each person holds a key to a puzzle that can unlock the hidden treasure given to humanity. Through our active participation in the collaborative discovery of the 21 million coins, the value of the network increases. Our society as a whole gets enriched. Through each claiming their own genius, we together inherit the wealth of the world, delivering prosperity for all the people. Nozomi Hayes, writing for Bitcoin Magazine. This one just really got me thinking, you know, because... There's a lot of stuff that I, I've said it before on this podcast on many occasions, but I think it's worth reiterating here. 
we've been lied to about we've been lied to about so much for so long that it's no it feels weird to look at something or read something like this because the entire story wasn't had nothing to do with this is how we learn math with Bitcoin or this is how we learn philosophy with Bitcoin. No, it had nothing to do with that. Yet it's self-education and what Bitcoin transforms you into. Some people are more transformed than others. I've almost completely transformed. I still have really bad fucking habits, but I can see them and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> you poor dumb screwed up son of a bitch. You better buy some more Bitcoin. The way that this made me think was like why I do this show. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I feel a need to do this show, to give you guys news. Have a, a, like a, as close to a daily podcast as I can deliver given the situation that I'm in right now. But I don't get paid exorbitant amounts of money for it. That's okay. I mean, one of these days I'd like it to turn into that. Not exorbitant amounts of money. <clears throat> Just like making, you know, making the mortgage payment would be awesome. <laughs> would be totally awesome. But I'm, I'm far from that. I'm so far from that. But I feel the need to create content. I don't know if it's a gift, but I feel the need to create that content. You know, other people in the space, I've watched them over the years since 2015 turn into something completely different. Pierre Richard is one of them. You know, there's a lot of people that have just turned their entire life, not inside out in a bad way, but inside out so that they could really look at who they were. And Bitcoin enabled them to have that chance to do it. Not because they got rich, but because they felt so overwhelmingly attached to this thing. And it was so important that they just turned themselves inside out in spite of it all, in spite of not having much money, in spite of having to, you know, in spite of having a full-time job. And a lot of them just quit because they have to do this. It's a calling. That's why they call Bitcoin the shelling point. You don't know who's calling you. You don't know where you're going, but somehow or another, you just get up out of your chair like, oh, was that, uh, oh God, what was that dude's name? Forrest, Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah, just felt compelled to get up out of his chair and walk two or three times across the United States for no apparent reason. That's a shelling point. And a lot of people come along for the ride. That's part of being the shelling point. You don't know what it is, but you know you're going to meet the people that you want to meet when you get there. Does that make sense? It's almost supernatural. And I attribute a lot of supernatural elements to Bitcoin. But right now, it's time to run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities. West Texas Intermediate is down half a point to $84.66. Brent North Sea down a quarter of a point to $93.30. Natural gas, however, getting a boost, almost a full 5% to the upside to $5.20 per thousand. Gasoline uh, up 2.8% to $2.73 a gallon. Metal rocks not doing well today. Gold down a quarter of a point. Silver, however, catching a breather, half a point to the upside. Platinum is down almost a full point. Copper is down almost a point and a half. And palladium is down almost a full two points. 
Uh, agricultural futures are mostly down. Biggest loser today is going to be cotton, 3.79% to the downside. Uh, biggest winner today is chocolate or cocoa, up half a point. Let's see, Dow up 1.3%. I guess they like what Japan did over the weekend. I won't get into that. You can go figure it out for yourself. Uh, S&P up 1.06%. NASDAQ is up 0.71%. And the S&P mini is up a half a point. Uh, Bitcoin kind of rallied a little bit like uh, last night to like 19,700, but has since, of course, fallen to $19,331. That's after 521,000 BTC exchanged hands in the last 24 hour period. Uh, Average transaction value is 2.11 BTC and the median transaction value is 0.02 or $381. Block times are high, really high, 11 minutes and 20 seconds. Uh, We've got 0.08 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and just under 11 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hour period. Uh, Hash rate has a 1.42% increase and gets us to what? 257.7 exahashes per second. That was after a difficulty adjustment that has, by the way, uh, Sunday night, we had a difficulty adjustment and it's an all time high. If we hit another all time high, I'm I'm not worried about the miners because there are going to be miners that just call it quits. I'm I, I don't know. I guess I'm I can be worried about the miners, but am I worried about Bitcoin mining? No. Why? Because of the difficulty adjustment. That's <laughs> 21 million set cap limit of Bitcoin is important. But what's just as important is the difficulty adjustment. Because let's say a whole shit ton of miners go out of business. They turn the machines off. We have 15 minute blocks for like, you know, two weeks. And guess what happens? Guess what happens? Difficulty adjustment comes back down. And we get 10 minute blocks again. It's one of the most beautiful mechanisms in Bitcoin. Alas, however, your shitcoin indicator is Dogecoin. 5.9 United States pennies with 12,166 transactions waiting on eight blocks to clear. That means, ladies and gentlemen, there's some congestion in the mempool. Uh, We are at $371 billion of market capitalization, which is still 3.4% of gold's entire market cap. And you can get 11.8 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,188,117.17 of. And 5,088.13 of those are in the Lightning Network, valued at $98.4 million, being run over 17,009 nodes with 81,888 payment channels. And 67.6% of all of that is being run over Tor. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the news you can use. Think before you sell your Bitcoin, says Robert Hall from Bitcoin Magazine. The last few months have not been great for Bitcoin prices. Bitcoin continues to languish around the $19,000 to $24,000 range with no end in sight. Bear markets are a time when your conviction will be significantly tested. People new to Bitcoin may think the economic pain is too much and want to tap out to cut their losses. Others will see the price of Bitcoin hanging out in the doldrums and just decide not to buy. The experienced hodler will see this as a glorious opportunity to buy as much Bitcoin as they can 
because they understand that Bitcoin is tremendously undervalued. My question to anyone considering selling their Bitcoin during this bear market is, what are you getting in return? Exchanging your Bitcoin for dollars might seem like a good idea in the short term as the Federal Reserve continues to raise interest rates to combat the inflation it caused in the first place, but you're cutting your nose off to spite your face. The dollar will always depreciate long-term regardless of what the Federal Reserve says or does. A depreciating dollar is a feature for Bitcoin, not a bug. What seems like a better deal for you and your family? Holding an asset poised to multiply by 100 times over the next few decades or something that will lose close to 100% of its value by design? How long until the dollar collapses? No one knows how long the U.S. dollar can continue to be the world's reserve currency, but one thing is for sure, the dollar's days are numbered. Politicians on both sides of the aisle abuse the United States' extraordinary role in the global economic system to print the money every country used for trade. How stupid do you have to be to screw something like this up? Instead of being good fiscal stewards, politicians use the dollar's position as the world reserve currency to run up unsustainable debts that will never be paid back. Entitlements such as Social Security and Medicare are the main drivers of our ballooning national debt and will only worsen as the baby boomers age. These programs only exist because the dollar is the world's reserve currency. The United States debt-to-GDP ratio stands at a staggering 127%. This amount of debt cannot go on forever. When you factor in higher interest rates on short-term debt that the government will have to roll over, you begin to understand the dire situation that we are in. The government's only option is to kick the can down the road again and crank up the printing press. Mm. With inflation running at a 40-year high, what happens when the money printer fires up? Higher inflation numbers. The United States is in the beginning of a debt spiral, which will end when the dollar become, with the dollar becoming as worthless as other fiat currencies have in the past. It may take 5, 10, 15 years before people lose complete faith in the dollar, but it's happening, and it will come to a head during our lifetime. The Democrat and Republican parties are unwilling to unwind entitlement programs driving the debt before they destroy the government's balance sheet because they fear being voted out of office. Talk about high time preference thinking. They are willing to risk the complete bankruptcy of America because they don't want to lose power. This is how strong the money printer's effect is on the average politician. This bear market may be the last time that you can stack a significant amount of Bitcoin before the masses notice something is amiss and scramble for the Bitcoin lifeboat. If you have free cash flow now, putting some of that into Bitcoin will ensure your wealth is protected when the shit hits the fan. The best thing anyone new to Bitcoin can do is to educate themselves about Bitcoin's core value proposition. Once it clicks, the whole world changes. It's like having a veil being lifted from your eyes and you can see the fiat world for what it is, corrupt, inept, and greedy. Bitcoin restores order in a chaotic world and will empower the world to make positive changes for humanity. So before you exchange your Bitcoin for dollars, understand what you're giving up in return. Do you still feel like it's an even trade? Yuppers, that's the second time that I've talked to you about just how bad the United States debt thing is. We've we covered a whole other story on it, but it's important to understand. But what's more important to understand is that everybody only talks about the United States level of debt 
because of the U.S. dollar's world reserve currency status, the petrodollar. What nobody's really talking about, I mean, some people talk about it, but we're always talking about the U.S., the U.S. this, the U.S. dollar, the, the debt, the unfunded liabilities. Every country in the world is basically in the same boat, whether they wanted to be there or not, because we had access to the money printer that prints what? The world's reserve currency. We inflated everybody. <laughs> We inflated the whole world, ladies and gentlemen, not just the United States. We dragged everybody down with us. Whether, whether your country is dollarized or not, you got dragged down the damn hole because of the notion of a world reserve currency. That one piece of centralization far outstrips any other centralization you can tell me about. Centralized government doesn't have, hold a candle to the gusting wind that is a centralized world reserve currency. It is the ultimate form of centralization. There's no, you can't go to 11 past a world reserve currency. You can't. The only thing that you can do is buy Bitcoin hold Bitcoin and hope to God that your new United Kingdom conservatives electing the crypto bull Rishi Sunak as the next prime minister is actually true, except he's also a CBDC guy. Let's find out more. Andrew Thorvalis from Decrypt.co, former UK finance minister and established crypto bull Rishi Sunak will replace Liz Truss as the nation's prime minister. She was ejected from her leadership position just 45 days after assuming office after her ambitious plan to slash taxes on the nation's highest earner quickly backfired. Mortgage prices soared in the aftermath, while the pound sterling tanked, quickly making her unpopular with the vast majority of Britons. I got to pause right there, okay? Her tax thing didn't have anything to do with what happened to the British pound sterling, okay? It had nothing to do with mortgage prices. She said she wants to slash taxes. She had a plan to slash taxes. Those taxes hadn't changed yet. It was just a plan. And everybody's pointing at, see, she wanted to slash taxes and then mortgage rates went up and, and, and the currency lost value against the world's reserve currency. No, 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 no. That had nothing to do with Liz Trust. They threw her under the bus, though. They saw a perfect opportunity to completely dis dismantle the UK's bond market and pin it on this poor dweeb who they immediately threw under the bus just 45 days after becoming Britain's prime minister. But whatever. Her replacement, newly chosen by his fellow Conservative Party members, was the only candidate to receive support from over 100 lawmakers. That made him the only member of parliament eligible to run in, in an election, and that made him win by default. Quote, I can confirm that we have received one valid nomination and Rishi Sunak is therefore elected as leader of the conservative party, said Graham Brady, a party official. Trust showed online support for a low regulation approach to crypto back in 2018, but has made a few comments on the industry besides that. Sunak, by contrast, advocated for turning Britain into a full-blown crypto hub earlier this year. 
Some of Sunak's ambitions include turning stable coins into a recognized form of payment in the UK while creating a financial infrastructure sandbox to help firms innovate in the sector. Quote, we want to see the businesses of tomorrow here in the UK, and by regulating effectively, we can give them the confidence they need to think and invest long term, said Sunak back in April. Before politics, Sunak worked as a hedge fund manager at the investment bank Goldman Sachs in the United States. Elected to Parliament in 2015, he was later appointed as Chancellor of the Exchequer in 2020, right before the pandemic began. In October of last year, Sunak showed enthusiasm over possibly issuing a central bank digital currency at the Bank of England, which could offer businesses and consumers new ways to be enslaved. No, I'm sorry, I read that wrong. New ways to pay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you will pay. Months earlier, he announced a joint task force between the Treasury and Central Bank to research how CBDCs could work as a complement to cash and bank deposits. Canada's Conservative Party also elected a Bitcoin bull, Pierre Polyvolve, as its leader in September. His political opponents have since turned that support into a vector of attack. Eh, Well, whatever. So you guys over there in the UK have a new prime minister, apparently. And the last thing that I would want is a prime minister as a hedge fund manager. There was a day back in the day when I probably would have said, hey, that's a great idea. At least he knows about you know, financial health. Well, you know, fast forward to 2022 and I'm like, no, you don't want to have anything to do with that shit. So good luck with that though. I I hope he doesn't get set on fire in the next couple of weeks, but you know, time will tell. Meanwhile, Bitcoin eyes safe haven status as gold correlation returns, according to Bank of America. Alice Key has this one for decrypt. Bitcoin could once more be viewed by investors as a safe haven thanks to recent market activity, according to Bank of America's analysts. Al-Kish Shah and Andrew Moss of Bank of America Securities said in a recent report that the world's largest cryptocurrency now had a high correlation with gold prices, suggesting it is being used as a hedge against wider market uncertainty. A safe haven asset is one that is expected to protect portfolios during an economic downturn. Gold is a primary example of a safe haven asset. Bitcoin's relationship with gold has historically been used as a way to measure how confident investors are in the asset as a store of value. The two were closely linked from June 2021 to February 2022, but the correlation turned negative in March. Two assets with a positive correlation indicate that they are behaving similarly, while those with a negative correlation are behaving differently from one another. At the start of September, the relationship between gold and Bitcoin once again turned positive, and in early October, the correlation reached its highest point in a year. At the same time, Bitcoin's relationship with blue chip stocks on the S&P and NASDAQ 100 reached all-time highs on September 13th, though has since slowed. The analysts wrote, Quote, a decelerating positive correlation with the uh, SPX QQQ and a rapidly rising correlation with gold indicate that investors may view Bitcoin as a relative safe haven as macro uncertainty continues and a market bottom remains to be seen. Last week, new data showed that Bitcoin is now less volatile than both the S&P 500 and NASDAQ for the first time since 2020. October has been largely uneventful for the cryptocurrency, which at current prices is up just 1.1% over the last month. 
This time last year, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> oh, damn. This time last year, Bitcoin was experiencing a rapid rally that saw its highest ever price recorded in November. Hovering above $19,000, Bitcoin is presently down 69% on its value this time last year. So correlation returning, I, you know, I'm getting a little to the point where I'm not really listening to how Bitcoin is correlated with other assets because it's like, it seems to be like musical chairs or round robin or something like that, where it's like, okay, well this week it's not correlated to this and this, but it is correlated to this and this. And then it flip flops. And then sometimes it's, it's like Bitcoin is always correlated to something it seems. So I just, I'm not sure of the importance of, you know, should we be excited about Bitcoin being correlated with gold? I can tell you who's not excited. Peter Schiff. Peter Schiff is not excited about that, but whatever. Sam Bankman fried. He's going to refund the FTX phishing victims with $6 million. Wow. Tim Hockey tells us more decrypt. 30-year-old billionaire and FTX chief Sam Bankman fried is again loosening his purse strings. This time is for victims of a multi-million dollar phishing scam that hit FTX users through compromised three commas application programming interfaces. On Sunday evening, Bankman Fry tweeted that he's prepared to remunerate up to $6 million for FTX users affected by an exploit in which attackers use three commas API to make trades on the exchange. Blockchain journalist Colin Wu was the first to report the incident last Friday. Wu explained that an FTX user had found their account making trades without authorization. Within the first 24 hours, Wu identified three users affected by the same hack. Users who reported the hack to Wu also reported it to FTX and were told that the exploit was caused by the Three Commas API leak. A security update published by Three Commas yesterday confirmed that API keys linked to the newly created Three Commas accounts were used to execute the unauthorized trades. The breach, however, did not come from Three Commas, but likely came when users connected to websites impersonating Three Commas. Attackers were then able to commandeer users' APIs to compromise their own FTX accounts. <clears throat> the update also clarified that the issue affected users who have never used three commas. Oh, shit. Both FTX and three commas have disabled APIs linked to suspicious activities and have asked users to create new ones. It's been a busy th quarter three for Bankman Fried as he battles regulators, politicians, and the crypto community itself. Recently, he became the target of investigations by Texas regulators who argue that the yield-bearing accounts offered by FTX.us could be considered unregistered securities. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, he's going to shell out $6 million because his shit got hacked. You know, there's a, there's a question. Every time I see Sam Bankman Fried's face or hear about him being a billionaire at 30, do you even know where he came from? Do, have you heard of Sam Bankman fried at all before FTX? Think about that real seriously. Because my question is this, is he a plant? Could it, could it be that Sam Bankman fried has been, is being bankrolled by some of the heaviest hitters in government and private sector monies so that they could have their own guy that's, you know, eventually going to be on their side of their best buddy and, and screw all the Bitcoiners and, and anybody else in crypto. Cause I kind of think that that's where this is. I, I have no proof. 
you know, if he wants to give me a call and tell me that I'm an asshole for even suggesting it, I get it. Because I don't know the man. I've never met him. But there's something fishy. I'm just saying there's something fishy that he was able to come out of nothing from nowhere and be the name in quote unquote crypto and be a billionaire to boot and having an a, an almost unending supply of ready cash. How did he make it? Are there that many FTX trades? Because I just saw a graph that says that Binance pretty much is all 51% of all daily trading. And I don't see CZ throwing around the kind of money that Sam Bankman Fried's throwing around. So again, standing question. If you have an answer to this, or if you've got your own theory, feel free to give it to me in a boostagram. But for right now, that's gonna do it for the morning roundup. Dad says jokes. My wife told me that I ruined her birthday. I didn't even know it was her birthday. I'll tell you what, forgetting your wife's birthday, that's one surefire ass way to have a bad day, a bad next day, next day, next day. Guys, if you got a significant other in your life, don't forget birthdays anniversaries and any other special day like you know if your if your wife's father died like 5 years ago it's probably good to put that death date into your calendar so that you know that it's coming up and most like most people have a you know a smartphone most people have a calendar you can have it repeat it sends you an alarm that day every year it's like this is the day that my wife's dad died probably not going to be a good day for her Maybe go buy some flowers, all right? Use technology to your advantage. Do not allow technology to get the advantage over you. Okay, so um, if you want to support the show, and I hope you do, I hope you're getting value out of this. If you're not, tell me that I suck. Give me some kind of feedback somewhere, a boostagram or something like that. Tell me I suck. Tell me you're not getting value. But if you are, if you are getting value, please consider donating to the show. And my favorite method of doing that is to watch Satoshi's rain from the sky on my lightning node, which is about three feet on my right hand side. I can view it using Thunderhub. And I see like three sats a minute, 50 sats a minute. Somebody was boosting me 99 sats a minute the other day. So, you know, there's been like, all that's where all my boostograms go to. And I mean, it's just wonderful to see. And I know that I'm stacking those sats for the future. That, I mean, I'm stacking those sats for the future. I'm not turning that shit into fiat, right? So it's funny because I keep saying I don't make any money. I can't pay, you know, I, I can't pay the mortgage with this show. And yet, what do I ask for? Satoshis, not cash. It's just like I'm shooting myself in the foot. I still think that this is part of me trying to figure out what gift do I have? What gift can I offer? I think that's a high quality, very low time preference question to ask oneself and to dwell upon it and really pull it apart. Who are you? What do you have to offer? I have a voice to offer. I know how to use computers. I know how to do audio editing. I'm trying to use that. I know how to do some other stuff too, but I really like doing this. And if you do want to support the show, podcasting 2.0 is the way to go with Fountain. 
I love the Fountain app. No, they're not a sponsor of the show. You should probably poke them and say, you should sponsor, you know, the Bitcoin and podcast. But I love it. And it's got a lot of, it's it's pretty feature rich. I've said it before. There's been a couple things that I wish it did have. But now I realize after being in the Bitcoin space that, you know, adding a simple thing to a program is not as simple as it is or as simple as, as one might think. You know, the, the simple notion of tapping my earbud twice to get it to fast forward 30 seconds sounds easy, probably a real bitch to implement, right? Anyway, but Fountain is my very favorite. And I think it's newpodcastapp.org is where you can find a whole bunch of other podcasting 2.0 enabled apps. That's newpodcastapp.org. But I'll bet you this, go into whatever search engine that you use, New podcast app, all one word, bet you bottom dollar, it'll be the top, in one of the top three returns on that. With all that said, I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.